0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: So, Sarah, I can't believe we're meeting with Marcia Clark in like 20 minutes. I'm freaking out. Now I need a beta blocker. Yeah. No, I'm not going to take a beta blocker because it's really just a meeting. Right. We may or chat. may not. chat. We're having a chat. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And with me
2: is my writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain, also a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, being friends and business partners, and how to fight and win the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Happier in Hollywood is all about how to survive
1: and thrive no matter where you are or what you do. In this episode, we'll talk about how to give good meeting. We'll also talk about our first meeting with Marsha Clark. Yes, that Marsha Clark, lead prosecutor in the O.J. Simpson trial. She's been working on a top-secret project with us recently, and she's joining us today to discuss how she stays happier in Hollywood.
2: I cannot wait. I can't either. (laughs) (laughs) But before we dive in, an update on the burnout Liz and I were suffering from in our last episode. Liz, you were about to embark on a day of silent mindfulness. How was it? Yeah, well, first of all, I did
1: go through with it. So that was win number one. Excellent. And my friend who was supposed to go with me bailed at the last second. She texted me that she was too anxiety-ridden to take any steps to lessen her anxiety. <laughs> so I was on my own. And it was, I mean, I'll say it was great. It was... um challenging. We, so we did sitting meditation. We did walking meditation. We did mindful eating. We did a body scan meditation. And it, my thought during it, which is going to sort of sound like I didn't like it, although I did, was that it reminded me of childbirth. And it was like going into that. I was like, OK, I'm going into this and I, there's no way out but through. Right. 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 And that's kind of how I felt about (laughs) six hours of silent mindfulness. Like once I started, even though I said to myself I would leave if I couldn't handle it, I really knew I wouldn't because I'd be too embarrassed. Um, So it was great in the sense afterward I felt a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And they described it as like a mental spa day. And I do think it really was like that. It was kind of
2: like in a trance the whole day. So do you feel like it helped you on the road to recovery from burnout?
1: Yes. You know why? Because it was doing something for me, something different, totally different, that was like felt like a little adventure. So I call it a success. I'm really glad I did it. And I'm glad I'm not doing it this Saturday. (laughs) You had the mission to get a pedicure. Did you get a pedicure?
2: I did. I got a pedicure. Yes. And I went to see a movie by myself. Oh, what movie? Don't want to say because we know the person who wrote it and I didn't love it. So (laughs) so I just keep that to myself. Um, I think going to see movies by myself is sort of my version of silent meditation.
1: Mm. You know, it's not
2: obviously six hours with popcorn. Exactly. Silent meditation with crunching.
1: Yeah. Of course, the best cure, I think, for burnout is getting good feedback on the script that we were writing that did burn us out. (laughs) And we got positive feedback. And so now we're reinvigorated and refreshed, and we now have to dive
2: into the next draft. Because rewriting in Hollywood is never done. Never. Okay, Liz, it's time for a segment we call From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, it's all about meetings. Because it's meeting season here in Hollywood. Shows are staffing up, so writers are meeting with showrunners and executives all over town. Okay.
1: Side note, what we call meetings, most people call interviews. In television, there's a season in the spring when shows hire their staffs for the following season. And even shows that have been around for a while will often have staffing changes. So this is when everybody's just talking to everybody and, like, trying to find a job. So, Sarah, you and I have been on both sides of the meeting couch. Sometimes we're hiring. Sometimes we're trying to get a job. But, you know, in many ways, Hollywood meetings are just like getting a job at an insurance company or a bank or a bakery. So we thought, like, let's spend some time talking about what makes meetings great and what can make them horrific.
2: Because we've had both, for yes, sure. We have. Um, now, oh, so long ago, when we were doing our first round of executive meetings, which are basically introductory meetings with executives at all the different studios around town, one executive gave us a really Excellent piece of advice. When you're in a meeting, show people who you are. Um, Now, in this case, we were giving good meeting. And the executive was saying, you know, this is great because I totally know who you are. And he was explaining to us that his job is to get to know us so that he can recommend us to higher level executives and to showrunners. And if we don't show him who we are, He has nothing to pass on. He can't really say why we would fit great on this show or why our personalities would work well with this particular showrunner.
1: Yeah, I think being a team is this is a place where we have an advantage because we have our dynamic. We can riff off each other. And let's face it, we do have our little routines that we (laughs) pull out um, (laughs) and we can see where the other is going. So we know, oh, okay, it's the uh, three beer at a bar in Kansas City story. That's a story that we will (laughs) tell on this podcast at some point for sure. But how we ended up moving to L.A. together. Um, but we know what the other is going to say, and we right. know when to jump in and sort of try to be funny. And, you know, we have our things set. Yes, exactly. So today we should talk about what makes a good meeting and what, in our opinion, makes a bad meeting. Things <laughs> not to do.
2: Yes. So one way to give good meeting, especially in Hollywood where we're sitting in writer's rooms together for, you know, eight to ten hours a day, is you want to be someone people want to hang out with all day. Because you're going to be sitting in there a long time, and if people don't want to spend time with you, you're not going to get that job.
1: Yeah, personality is very important. You don't want to be, like, someone who's just a nonstop talker, nor do you want to, like, be someone who doesn't say a word. You want to kind of strike a good balance there and be pleasant. Yes. And entertaining doesn't hurt. The other thing is, you know, in television, sometimes you love a show and sometimes you don't. And I'm sure that's true in all jobs. You know, sometimes a job sounds really fun and sometimes it's just a way to make money. But you want to seem passionate about the material. So even if we're going in on a show that we personally think is very mediocre at best, (laughs) not that that's ever happened, not that that's ever happened. (laughs) Um, We don't Announce that, we find what's good about it and we emphasize that and we try to, you know, muster some passion. Yes. And I think people, they put their whole lives into these shows and they want the people working on them to be. Invested, and so you want to show the person I am invested in your project.
2: Also, if you're going in for especially a TV meeting, have ideas prepared. Yes. When we started talking about this, it made us think about this guy Andrew Chambliss, um, who is now co-show running *Fear the Walking Dead*, but at the time I think he was coming in for his first job. No, I think he was a story editor. He was a story editor. Okay, well, he was very youthful. <laughs> And Liz and I and Joss were interviewing him for Dollhouse and he came in and he said all these brilliant things and he walked out and Joss said, well, we have to hire him because we're going to use every single idea he had. So if you come in and you have these ideas that just blow people away, you're going to get that job. Conversely, if you have a bunch of ideas that aren't right for the show, you're not going to get the job, but it's not a job you should have gotten.
1: That is true. That's a whole other
2: yeah. topic of conversation. You wouldn't have wanted to be in that room. Jobs
1: you should and shouldn't get. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is and true in any situation. Know who you're meeting with. <laughs> and we have to say this because... We once had a situation where a writer who is a fantastic writer and she's gone on to great
2: success. And we have worked with her. And we have worked with
1: her and love her. But when we first met with her, it was for a pilot we were doing called The Selection, which is based on a young adult book. If anyone's interested, never made it to air. But she came in and started telling us how her parents were lawyers and she'd grown up in D.C. and she was very interested in the law and the legal profession. And Sarah and I are looking at each other going, well, this is about a princess and a dystopian future. What does this have to do with lawyers? And then after the meeting, her agent called us and said, uh, "Dorothy thought she was meeting on a CBS legal show, on the Bruno Heller Law yeah. Show, yeah." <laughs> um, and she was just mortified when she realized she had been giving she had been giving wrong meeting. That yes. was just that her yes. would have been a great meeting for a law show, right? But anyway, so know your audience for starters, yes. whatever you're meeting in.
2: Yes. And dress the part. Um, and dressing the part here is a little different than dressing the part at a bank. Yes. But it's so important to come in looking like you're the job that you want.
1: Yeah. Like there is definitely a writer uniform. For guys, it's jeans and like a button-down plaid shirt or a cool T-shirt <laughs> and sneakers. For women, it's it, there's more variety, but mm-hmm. it's definitely got to be casual but look great. I mean, Sarah, I have to say, you know, some people go out and buy a suit, you know, like I remember when I was graduated college, I went to Ann Taylor and bought a suit. Yes, me too. Well, now (laughs) now I wore it many times. Now that I don't have to buy a suit, like I'll feel justified in spending a ridiculous amount of money on sneakers because I'm like, I can wear these to a meeting and that's perfectly legitimate. That's your suit. And I'm going to feel great in my sneakers and that's my
2: suit. Yeah. So we should also talk about how to give bad meeting, things yes. not to do. Before we start criticizing everyone else, um, it's not like we haven't made our share of mistakes. We've been underprepared. Remember the last meeting we went in thinking we were going in for a freelance, but it was for a staff job yeah, that we couldn't said, take? He said it starts Monday
1: if you know, if you get it. And we were like, oh, we're still in a show another yeah, three weeks. We actually Oops. have another job. <laughs> um, and then there was our S.H.I.E.L.D. meeting. We were on The Shield for um, three seasons, amazing job, met my husband there. But when we first went in, we were so nervous because it really so was nervous. our favorite show. Yeah. And how that manifested in the <laughs> meeting was I was like, laying down on the couch, apparently, feet up on the table, laying down, like lounging. almost yeah, lounging. And Sarah was like at the edge of the couch, sitting up like she was at like an English tea party, Yeah, holding my cup of water. Um, and we were with these two guys who just were like, oh, my God, these women. Oh, and then they asked us for like a suggestion about the show or something. And we just clammed up. We yeah. had nothing to say. Yeah. It was not a good meeting it was a horrible on meeting. any level. We got lucky because Sean Ryan, who created the show, only cared about our script. Like at the end of the day, he just picked the script he liked the best and it all worked out. (laughs) We've given bad meeting. Yes, we have.
2: Um, We've also been the recipients of a lot of meetings that were not so hot. So some of the things that we've experienced that we recommend not doing in a meeting is don't be an open wound. On one side, you want to show who you are. On the other side... You don't want to show who you are to such an extreme that people are scared of you. Yeah, you don't I have feel felt like, like a
1: therapist in a meeting. Yes. And you don't want because I don't want to be this person's therapist for the next eight months. No,
2: you don't want to feel like you're going to be doing your job and also like taking care of them.
1: And, then you know, another thing is don't be condescending toward the job. And this mm. kind of goes to the, you know, on the plus side, we're saying be passionate about the material. I mean, We've had people come in and just be like, oh, yeah, I can help you out. I'll bang out these scripts with my eyes closed. And it's like, well, it's not that easy. So I don't really want you banging these out with your eyes closed. And if that's your attitude before you even have the job, like, how are you going to be month three? Right. Yes, that
2: is a big turnoff.
1: Any show is hard to make. Any job is hard to do. Like, you know, being a receptionist, or as I could say, a hostess at a restaurant, as I've done, and it was
2: harder than for me than being a TV writer, you know, you've got to respect the position. Yes, absolutely. Moving on to the most awkward moment we've ever had in a meeting. And this is not like a how-to-give-bad-meeting thing. This is really just like a moment that stands alone if anything ever bad happens to you in a meeting just remember this and you'll feel yes exactly so we were sitting in a meeting we were interviewing this woman and just over the course of you know question and answering in the middle of a sentence her tooth fell out her front tooth fell out and landed on the
1: carpet (laughs) and it was i mean that is a conversation (laughs) stopper
2: if ever there was if one. If ever there was one. And she, she picked it up and she put it back in her mouth and she said, oh, I meant to tell you before the meeting that that might happen. Yeah, and it was,
1: I mean, how do we continue? I mean, we were biting our lips. Yeah. I was trying to think about, you know, lost loved ones. I mean, it was so Desperately not, not laughing. Laugh. Yes, But I will say, if something like that ever does happen to you, she handled it with perfect aplomb. She just said, oh, excuse me, I meant to inform you of that. And <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to my point about these yes. characters, and she just went
2: on... With total grace. And I mean, that is the kind of person you want on a set. Absolutely. No, if like that is the person who when something horrible <laughs> happens, you want that woman who's going to just like put her tooth back in her mouth and get on with things. You know, you can count on her.
1: Having said that, if one of our teeth ever falls out in the meeting, let's just crawl out <laughs> I immediately. Yes, I, I would not I, handle it that way. I well. wouldn't handle it the way she did. She was a <laughs> rock star. Yeah. So that's meeting, Sarah. We had one yesterday and... Well, I'm sure we'll have another one uh, in a couple of days. Yeah. What are your strategies for giving good meeting? What are your horror stories, more interestingly? <laughs>
2: Let us know at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. One meeting that will forever stand out in our memory is our first meeting with Marsha Clark. Coming up, an interview with the woman Liz told, You Are My Madonna, after a word from our sponsor. Your Honor, I am
0: offended by Mr. Cochran's remarks as a woman and as a mother. Mr. Cochran may not know what it's like to work a 70-hour work week and also take care of a family, but I do. And many other people do, too. To belittle my childcare issues in your courtroom is unconscionable and totally out of line.
1: That was Sarah Paulson playing Marsha Clark in the Fox show The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Sarah Paulson won an Emmy for that role. Now, Sarah,
2: no one has ever won an Emmy playing me. Has anyone ever won an Emmy playing you? Sadly, no. I don't know how that has not happened. Um, it's definitely something to aspire to, but there are so many things about Marsha Clark that are aspirational and inspirational. We've known her for a year now and only get more awed by her, and we started pretty odd. Definitely. We were so nervous and excited when we first met her. Me in
1: particular as someone who watched the entire O.J. Simpson trial on TV, like literally gavel to gavel, it was an obsession. (laughs) Um, And if somehow you don't know who Marsha Clark is, she is, of course, most famous for being the lead prosecutor in the O.J. Simpson murder trial. She's a best-selling author. Her account of the Simpson case, without a doubt, went to number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. She's also a best-selling crime fiction author. Our personal favorites are Moral
2: Defense and Blood Defense, which is a number one Amazon bestseller. And because she doesn't have enough to do, she still works as a lawyer, though now she's on the defense side. Most relevant to us, she also happens to be a great TV writer, which is how we've been lucky enough to get to know her. We're working on a project together, and we love it, but we can't share any details yet.
1: But someday... Yes. So Marcia Clark, welcome to Happier in Hollywood. Yay! Yay! Thanks for having me, guys. This is so
0: fun and it's exciting. And when you first told me you were doing this podcast, I just thought, How perfect is this?
2: It's awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. We're very you're our first like big guest, so we're very happy to have
2: you here. And very nervous. nervous. Especially you because you're such a good interviewer and interrogator. Yes. Yeah, no, so. no, no, clearly Don't not judge that good. <laughs> Wait, we but,
1: should say before we dive in, yeah. when the three of us get together, we um tend to swear a lot. So there could be bad language. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> it could happen. Never uh, happened.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's start by talking about your sort of accidental reality TV stardom. <laughs> um, most people came to Hollywood to be famous and you did not. That was not what you set out to do. Can you tell us about what it was like to suddenly be a famous person when you didn't want to be. It was crazy. It was completely crazy. And it was like being in an
0: alternate universe, like bizarro world, because, yeah, I didn't look for it. I didn't want it. And I knew it'd be a kind of a high profile case. But high profile at that time in the world, and especially in Los Angeles, meant, you know, they'll show up at the arraignment. They may spell your name right. They may not even mention (laughs) your name. (laughs) Right. And then they'll come back for the verdict. Maybe but probably not. They'll just hear about the verdict and write about it, so whatever. And then all the you know, satellite trucks show up and all this stuff and it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And then it came this moment where, People started asking for my autograph, oh. and the first time that it happened, I was with my kids, two and four and a half or whatever, tiny, and they're running all over the place, and I'm in the mall. And you guys know what it's like when <laughs> kids are little and Liz, especially yeah. with little boys. But yeah. well, no, because Violet's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <She's>, uh-huh. Sarah's, <laughs> Sarah's daughter. Sarah's Violet. daughter. Yeah. <laughs> she's got the energy, yes. like she's amazing. So you know, they're like electrons; they never stop moving. And I'm scared. I'm alone in the mall. Blah blah blah. And this girl comes up to me, and she goes, can I have your autograph? And I said, why? (laughs) And she, I really meant it. And she, like, got mad at me. She was, you're famous. Hello? You owe me? It's like, you owe me this kind of... And I just, like, I was scared. Like, what if she winds up in my jury pool?
1: Right, right. You have to sign that autograph.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I never got over that feeling of, I feel ridiculous. You know, eventually you kind of get used to it. But I'm never going to get over that feeling of, what? Why?
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of how hard that trial was, and you've told us that it really shredded you, yeah. you know, afterward. And we talk all the time and to each other about sort of having to rise from the ashes in our career over and over. It's like something bad will happen, and then we'll be like, well, we're back in the ashes. Now we have to rise. <laughs> and you, of course, went through such a public trial, metaphorically and literally. What did you do to come back? Like, how, how did you rise? You know, you guys are kind of inspirational to me that way because you rise quickly. Oh, you well, really. We're not dealing with the trial of the But <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, you
0: know, <laughs> but still, no, no, no. This is like something I think this is relevant to everybody because everyone has setbacks. Everyone's going to lose at some point or another. You lose, you know. It, yeah. it happens. It's inevitable. And how you get back up is to me the issue. Losing is inevitable. Rising is your challenge and is your must. And you guys do it quick. You turn on a dime, you dust yourselves off, you get up and you go forward. And that is absolutely critical in Hollywood. Yes, but everywhere. You know, I mean, everybody does. Hollywood, I think you get the shit kicked out of you more often than most. Because yeah. right? <laughs> <It's true. laughs> people fire you for no reason. You know, yeah. I don't like the way you looked at me or you looked at me. You know, <laughs> I mean, how about that? You know, I don't I demand that you not look at me. Who's ever heard of that shit? Yeah. Until I came to Hollywood, I never heard of this. Right. You know, don't look at me. Yeah. Okay, whatever. That's just anyway. Yeah. So you all have to, everybody has to learn how to rise. It took me a long time because it, uh, you know, the search for the truth, bringing justice, standing up for the victims was so in my heart, so much a part of me, so important to me. And when I worked in the defense side, it was too, you know, justice for the defendant didn't necessarily mean getting him off. It meant getting him convicted of what he should be, getting the right sentence, getting him into rehab if that's the case. So that was kind of always my driving ambition. And to see it shredded the way it was, just completely disassembled by all these forces that had nothing to do with the case and the way in which people seemed to not care about two innocent people who were slaughtered was just too much. It just, I just kind of lost my faith in everything, and had to walk away. And it took me a long time. I wound up getting up and getting out on a physical level. I went and did a book tour. I did all kinds of appearances. I hosted TV shows. I hosted radio shows. I did all this shit. So on the outside, it looked. Pretty good. On the inside I was I think I was still pretty squashed and it was really interesting. Sarah Paulson We became friends after the shooting of the miniseries, which I want to just tell everybody because they always think we were consulted. They were forbidden to consult with us, any of us. So no one was talked to. Nobody talked to me or Chris or anybody about what really happened. And so the remarkable thing about Sarah's performance is she managed to capture how I was feeling on the inside so completely without ever talking to me. I think that's just part of her genius. But she said, you know what? There's a way in which I think that trial squashed you Mm. and you have to come back. So she said that today. She said that, yeah, 20 years later. (laughs) Wow! Thanks to her, I think I did. Largely did. I mean, I think there was a way in which my friendship with her and her performance in the miniseries was so healing, was so mind-blowingly revelatory. I, I think it allowed me to see, hey, you know what, you're a human being, And the fact that you sometimes fell down, didn't do the best you could, you know, over the course of a year and a half, this is going to happen. I've never been good at forgiving myself for making mistakes or doing something wrong. And I think there was a way in which I walked away from that trial feeling guilty for everything. Every Mm -hmm. single thing, every breath I took that was not the right one, Mm -hmm. you know, every thought I had that was off mark, every objection I should have made or didn't make or, you know what I mean, everything. And that kind of gave me perspective to realize, but you did do well enough. Most people willing to believe saw that he was guilty during that trial and there were some people you were never going to reach. Unfortunately, a lot of them were on your jury. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) But,
2: but it was good. I mean, I think... That's part of it. I do think that's part of it. Now, you are undoubtedly one of the hardest working people Liz and I have ever met. You do 10 things at once, like, uh, before 11 a.m. It's, like, unbelievable. You're, like, nonstop 100% every day. How do you do that? (laughs) You know what? Necessity. So, (laughs) honest to God, it happened
0: because... When the kids were about to go to college, I had them close together within two and a half years. That meant at one point they were both in college at the same time. Ooh, this oh is an extremely expensive. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, you know, if you want to pay the rent and <laughs> you want to eat and also pay tuition and pay for it, you know, what I mean, everything you have yeah. to. So I kind of started piling on the jobs. And that's when I was doing criminal appeals and doing books. You know, I just kind of keep piling things on.
2: To pay for everybody, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. You know, we talk a lot about being happier in Hollywood. That's our that's our deal. It is the title, yes. Um, <laughs> what an oxymoron! Happy <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's my question. I think after everything you've been through, would you say that you are happier in Hollywood or not? Oh, absolutely for sure, I'm happier. Yeah, in
0: Hollywood. You know, I mean, we joke about it because Hollywood is a tough road to hoe. There's just no question about it, and people get really thrashed. But it's, I mean, and why am I laughing? Because it's true. Yeah. But it's also, it allows you enormous creativity. You get to work with amazing people like you who are brilliant and creative and fun and delightful. And that kind of ability to sit in a writer's room and talk to people who are so smart and creative. It's just, Enriching and enlivening in a way that's really rare to find, and you know when you get to make that perfect connection, it's like there's nothing better than that. And so, yeah, you can be happier in Hollywood. It takes a lot of looking, <laughs> it takes a lot of kneecapping patience, and yeah. patience, and rising up from the ashes yeah. again and yeah. again
1: to you know. We say it's a war of attrition. And, yes, yeah, you know, it last really man standing. Is.
2: Well, you definitely make us happy. Yes, you you so certainly do. I certainly do. So <laughs> All
1: right. And Sarah, lucky us. Marsha is going to stick around for our next segment. It is time for our Hollywood hack. And Marsha is going to give us our Hollywood hack today. So, Marsha, what do you have for us?
0: Don't live in Hollywood. Uh,
1: That is a good hack. (laughs) Whatever you do, man. So, So you live, we should say, out kind of in the country, you know, less populated area than like, you know, downtown Hollywood. You make it sound like Green Acres. (laughs) Well it's there are horses. I mean, you know, that's country to me. (laughs) (laughs) What does that do for you, not living right in the city?
0: You know, it's really nice. It's it let's be honest. I mean, every time I have to go into the studio it's a schlep. Anywhere you go is a schlep from where I live. However, when I come home with all the mountains and the trees and all the fault flora and fauna, I go, oh, there's just a way I can decompress and, you know, there's a peacefulness to it. So it's kind of good to be out of the mix, even though it's. It's a hassle.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, even though I live in the valley in Encino, and I'm very torn, like my soul is torn because I feel like I'm a city girl and I'm living in the suburbs. But I will say driving up in the hills of Encino and seeing the trees and canyon and all of that, it is a very peaceful feeling. And I really feel like I'm away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know people who live in like Topanga Canyon feel that way. But Sarah, you really kind of live in Hollywood. Yeah,
2: not In Hollywood proper. But yeah, I really live like in the city. I mean, I always thought I would be the kind of person who wanted to live more out of the city and have that like drive into the hills. I remember Liz one day talking about that, like I drive into the hills and then I feel like I'm getting away. And I was like, wow, I really live in it. You know, I'm not like in a loft downtown, but I'm in the city. And for me surprisingly, that really works. It turns out I like being close to everything and just kind of having my life all in a manageable place. And I don't ever get that sense of getting away, really. But, you know, I guess that's what Underwood Family Farms is for and,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Disneyland, you know. Well, I don't care if I call Disneyland getting away. Get away you no, know. oh, God, what a zoo! Oh my God! <laughs> so, I mean, the key then is, I mean, it's really know who you are. Like, right. do you thrive on living in the thick of it and like you know always being part of that bustle, or are you more? You know, does it kind of fill your creativity to get away and have the trees and the birds and space? I mean certainly, you can have a bigger house and it's easier to park yes, if you don't live in Hollywood I exactly. mean that to me is probably the biggest thing is i I'm sure we'll discuss on this podcast. I do not <laughs> like to drive right, and I don't like to park and I do like that in the valley there are wide streets, and parking is easy amen. Yes.
0: I have to say the first thing that I noticed when I moved up there is the wide streets, the ease of parking. You know, it's like, it's a beautiful, I feel the same way. And I also like a lot of space in the house. I mean, I don't care if there are empty bedrooms or whatever. I am good with it. (laughs) it just just... there's a good feeling about that. But I also get what you're saying, Sarah, having things be close. Whenever I stay with a friend of mine who's closer into town and I roll into Beverly Hills or just, or, you know, roll into Sherman Oaks or whatever, and it's all very easy because she's so central, I think, oh, I miss that
1: too. Mm -hmm.
2: There is an appeal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Marsha, thank you so much for being on our podcast. It was my you pleasure. We so so adore guys. you. I so love you so
0: much. It's so fun. I yeah. love you, yeah. too. That's why we're always going to be working together from now on. That's all there is? Yes. Okay. yes. Done. Okay, done. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was so, so much fun. I'll come back if you want me to. Oh, um, yes. yes. <laughs>
2: Oh, that was so fun. It was. I love her. So before we say goodbye, did you have a celebrity sighting this week, Liz? I did not, unless unless you count that I was at a fundraiser and saw Melissa Rivers and Judy Collins. But that's not in the wild. Yeah, I do not count that.
1: <laughs> um, but I did have a celebrity sighting. I saw Tiffany Amber Thiessen who, as you know, was Kelly Kapowski in Saved by the Bell. Amazing. And she was on Beverly Hills 90210. She came in as the vixen. The original one. uh, Yes, the original 90210. I saw her at the Encino Dry Bar. I was getting my hair blown out for a sort of big fundraiser event for Jack's school. As I was walking out, in walked Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Now, I have to say it wasn't that exciting because I used to see her at my Pilates place all the
2: time. (laughs) Remember when I used to do Pilates with Christina Ricci? Yes. It was was me and her and Mayor Garcetti's wife. Ah, Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. How do you give good meeting? Let us know. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Or is there something about Hollywood you're dying to know? Leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY21. Special thanks this week to the incredible Marcia Clark.
1: Her latest book, Moral Defense, the second in the Samantha Brinkman series, is available on Amazon or wherever you buy books.
2: Thanks to our producers, Kristen Meinzer and Jennifer Lye, and also thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thanks to Gretchen Rubin.
1: Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project.
2: Get in touch. I'm on Twitter, at Sarah M. Fain, and Liz is at Elizabeth Craft. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend or twenty and subscribe to us in iTunes. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain and I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job and we enjoy it. Oh, by the way, I do have another idea for you. Oh, nice! I do. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) We can talk about it over sushi. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Who wants to go to Katsuya? Loving that. I do. I'm in. I'm in.